This is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh Hamilton, and with me here today is Pastor Brandon Starnes. We want to welcome you here today. Now, before we get into the Bible study today, I wanted to bring your attention to one more thing, and that is to our Rejoicing in the Word blog. You can find that at svbcpa.org forward slash rw blog. RW obviously standing for Rejoicing in the Word. And then we also want to encourage you out there to share, like, and make sure to subscribe to the Rejoicing in the Word podcast anytime you get the chance. So that being said, let's move into our Bible study for the day. And we're looking at the attributes of one rejoicing, and we're speaking of a loving spirit. You know, we've hit the middle part of this particular study as we've looked at some of the attributes of the rejoicing, re, uh, joyful Apostle Paul. We've hit around, I think this is number four out of seven, so we're at that uh, halfway point. And there's a number of times in Romans chapter one where he indicates these personal things, though under inspiration, God's preserved them for us. We noted that he was thankful, uh, particularly for these other believers in Rome. We focused on the fact that he had a genuine heartfelt service, served God with his spirit. And then the other week we looked at his submissiveness. I'm going to come to you all shortly. And all of that within the realm of the word of God, very yielded and compliant. And of course, today that brings us to our fourth attribute of one that's rejoicing. And this day we're going to be speaking of his loving spirit. And our text will, of course, be verse number 11. Let me read that here. Romans 1.11, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. What a wonderful consideration, particularly our fault this day, is that phrase, I long to see you. Of course, he's going to impart a spiritual gift, and perhaps we'll have time in a later later podcast to deal with that. But just that phrase, I long to see you. Now, there are many things in our life that we long to see and engage in, uh, something that would be deep within a preference, a desire, a love, if you will. Uh, But in this particular comparison, Paul is speaking of himself, and he's saying, I long to see the church that's at Rome. And there are many things that we can unpackage there. Uh, You know, in my life, I've had the opportunity to be part of what I considered, you know, to be great churches full of some great people, some of the finest people I've ever known. But I would be remiss. I would be false, uh, hypocritical if I said that I always looked at it in that sense that I just always long to be there. There's sometimes you just don't long to be around just everyone. Well, you know, it's it's easy to love some people, and other people, it takes a little more work to love them as you should. So, sometimes it might even be a matter of timing um, in, in, in the real sense of life. Paul, in the last chapter of the book of Romans, he deals with a number of people, and we really could spend a tremendous amount of time on that, but we'll just point out two. Well, you know, one there is Phoebe, that we have, and she's a sucker of many. Can you think of anyone else? I think of Aquila and Priscilla and how they came alongside Apollos and spoke to him, helped him, really discipled him, and led him in the way that was more perfect. You know, they're also mentioned in Romans chapter 16, and uh, not only just helpers as it pertained to Apollos, they're also fellow tent makers of the same uh, employment background that Apostle Paul was that helped make tents. Paul makes a profound statement about them in Romans chapter 16. The scripture says of them that they had been his helpers and laid down their own necks for him. What a wonderful thought. 
you know, you could even continue in that passage. It talks about the church that is in their house and such. These were individuals that were, uh, in many ways, just as dedicated about the gospel ministry as the apostle Paul was. And there had been times where his livelihood, his needs, and maybe even his life was dependent on the actions and care and concerns in others. That's a that is a great baseline for why you should love someone. It would imagine to be easy to love someone like Phoebe that's a helper. It's a, it's a, imagine not hard to imagine to love someone like Aquila and Priscilla that had sacrificed you know their lives and such for your benefit. It's easy to love these. Uh, and this wasn't really the exception here. Uh, some of those in the church at Rome or Philippi and other places loved Paul. They aided him. They manifested this love. You know, they cared for him. They rescued him at times. They cherished him. But, of course, there were others, as you are aware, that that sought to hurt him. Even in Philippians chapter 1, seeking to add to his very bonds. But our love for the brethren is really, if I can put it this way, it's a signet of our salvation. And that makes me think of First John. Yes, it's it's throughout First John how that we are to love the brethren. You know, uh, what is it? First John chapter three. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. There, he is writing. John is to his these little children in the faith, these young men in the faith, these adults, and he's highlighting that perspective about our love being the signet of salvation. If you move over to chapter four. There's all manner of verses in chapter 4, at least three or four of them, that deal with an imperative or an importance around loving the brethren. Let me read one of them for us here. 1 John 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth not, uh, and knoweth God. Yes, and then in verse 11, he moves on that, God, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And then verse 21, here's a commandment. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. I mean, so this is a wonderful signet. We can talk about what a Christian should be or how a Christian should behave. But such importance is given here on their love. You know, in John chapter 13, prior to the passion of our Lord, that those last moments that they were going to spend with him. 14 is a very familiar chapter, but in verse 13, after Judas has left, the Lord speaks in verse 13 to the remaining disciples. He said, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And note this emphasis here. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. It's so important in our life that we allow the working of the gospel of God to transform us, that we not only have a secure grasp of truth, but on a practical outworking that we are individuals that show forth the love of God. It is, after a while, just like joy, it is a fruit of the Spirit. You'll remember it's the first one mentioned. Now, these are the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You know, I think of also as we're talking about love and it's a signet of our salvation, and we know that as Christians we're to live as like Christ. And I think of one of the preeminent characteristics that just shines through, I mean, you think of John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. 
God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. The real, the reason that we have this chance, this gift, it's really a gift of, of salvation is because of God's love for us. When you think about eternal things, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, now abide at these three, faith, hope, charity. Faith, the continuation, you can look at our belief. Uh, our our whole belief in the doctrines of God. One day, that's going to subside. One day, I'll be in the presence of the Almighty God. Faith will one day cease. He says of hope, that's my expectation. I'm looking for the promise, that blessed promise of the soon return. One day, that will subside. Why? Because I'll be in his presence forevermore. But then he said that last one is charity. And of that, the scripture continues in that last verse of the first Corinthians chapter 13 and says that it's the greatest. Now about it, this three, but the greatest is charity. It's never going to conclude. And then in that day when all the saints of God are gathered around the Lord in heaven, there is going to be a bond of love that will be pervasive and prevailing throughout eternity. And I think about how we are to deal with and you know, live amongst the brethren here. And we have a great verse here that ties this in. First Peter 4, verse 8. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. So back to those individuals, those brothers and sisters in Christ who aren't your Phoebes and aren't your Priscilla's and Aquila's, and maybe they haven't necessarily sacrificed something for you, or maybe they're just a little bit, they're not just the ones that you want to love on all the time. But God doesn't say love certain ones and don't love the others. He says we need to love all the brethren. And so how are you going to do that? Well, charity will cover a multitude of sins. It will. And there will be, uh, if I can put it in this light, and I'm not talking about some type of criminal sin, but there will be offensives among good people and good men's. Um, Over in 1 Peter chapter 4, he talks about use hospitality without grudging. You know, if there's a fondness one for another, a level of service and love one to another, there'll also be that level of hospitality. And that decision of the heart, decision of the mind to love someone, that should flow out of the heart of one that is rejoicing constantly in the Lord God. But like with any other spiritual um, gift, or I should say even spiritual good work, it's going to have to be strengthened by the Savior. Um, when we run up against those brethren that just maybe don't do us right or they're not steadfast in their walk, it's important to remember that our love for them is, in fact, a good work. Yet, like all other good works, it needs the power of God. Take, take for essence, the disciples. There, that We quoted John chapter 13 just a moment ago in verses 34 and 35, I believe it was, where he talks about, I give you this new commandment. This shall be that all men shall know that you're my disciples. You love one another. They didn't always get along. No, they didn't. I mean, at times. Who's, who's going to be the first? This is exactly what I was saying. Who's going to be the greatest when we come to the kingdom? I'm greater. I'm greater. Um, they they argued at times. Uh, they competed at times. And they certainly had different backgrounds. Um, that would make it some of them, maybe from Galilee, others from other areas. Some were fishermen. Some were government workers. All of this led into it, yet at the very conclusion of John chapter 13, the Lord Jesus Christ wanted them to love one another, just like by application right now, God wants us to love one another. Despite our backgrounds. Despite our backgrounds, 
despite uh, secondary disagreements, if you will, it's an important thing. But we need the power of God. And I, I think there are some uh, some means of strength that, that God has left for us. One of them is without a doubt the Word of God. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, speaking of the inspiration of scriptural, how it is profitable. He goes on in the next verse, in verse number 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Uh, the Word of God, if I'm going to be a serious uh, steadfast in the belief that, that uh, I want to rejoice in the word, I look into it and I don't have to look far to realize the replete commands that God left on how I ought to love the brethren. And so being obedient would bring that to fruition. Secondarily, another thought is in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 17. He says, now, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, God, even the Father which hath loved us and hath given us an everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts, establish you in every good word and work. It's going to take the power of God, us to be strengthened by the Savior. But a third thought that we would give you this this day about, you know, just that loving spirit is in fact it's one of the greatest testimonies of the transforming effect of the gospel. Because it's seen by others. It is seen by others. The world does not know godly love. They know self-love. I think it's in Ephesians chapter 5. For no man yet ever hateth himself. We live under that. The world thinks fairly highly of themselves. And I know I mentioned the world, but... We as Christians think highly of ourselves. More than we ought to. And so as such, you know, we think, wow, look what God's allowed me to do. Look what I can do. Look what I can have. And it is those personal directives of self-love that are ruination. And one of the greatest magnitudes that we'll ever have to convey the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, that transforming effect is our preference, our minding the things of others, our washing, in a sense, of the feet of other believers. If we'd see Christ magnified, there's got to have to be a kind affection towards other believers. In fact, it's even a qualification of the pastoral office. Right, a lover of good men. Titus, a lover of good men. Paul had a great desire towards these godly and holy priests. I'm referencing Peter here. They were a holy nation. They're, they're a wondrous group of people. They've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he was able to rejoice in part because of his tender affection towards them. Now, he wasn't always like that. Remember no. back whenever his name was Saul, he would have been persecuting. Great figure ripping the homes up, not caring about the tears, not caring about the weight, the frustration. Go ask Stephen and perhaps his wife and children about that. He was consenting to the death. They're being they're stoning Stephen, and he's right there in agreement with it. Wonderful transforming effect that happens in his life. All the world gets to see it. This man is completely transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you can see it by how he now cares for these individuals. And then sometimes we like to say, oh, I, I can't love that person. Can't It's beyond the scope of my ability. If my love towards God and his holy people, remember, he loved the church. If it's waning, it's a significant indicator that my joy is waning as well. They're closely linked together. What a great sacrifice to give God a thankfulness and a fondness for other redeemed believers. The spiritual ability to love 
was to hide a multitude of sins, uh, especially those that, that perhaps have done us wrong. Again, I'm not talking about civil crime. I'm speaking about offenses done against us. And, and the ability to love it insulates our joy and allows us to declare Christ and his glorious work with great joy. And that takes us to our verse for the day, Psalm 107, verse 22. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. We want to challenge you once again to continue rejoicing in the word. Thank you for listening.